When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Reaction Time. We are on episode what, Ben, six now? Six episodes so. in. Um, we're so excited to be back. We have fun stuff to talk about, like the win from Friday night over you and I. Um, and then we're going to look ahead to tomorrow night, quick turnaround for Iowa State's final duel of the season against Missouri. Um, but most importantly, want to start, um, if you guys didn't hear, we officially have a sponsor. Our friends at Fairway have joined the wrestling content here at Cyclone Fanatic. Um, in case you didn't know, uh, Fairway's actually huge fans of wrestling. And as you can tell, they're huge fans of wrestling content at Cyclone Fanatic. So we're extremely appreciative and excited to have them on board for the remainder of the season. Definitely a fun season to sponsor content covering the team as Iowa State continues at number five in the nation. Um, I'm Jacqueline Cordova, for those of you who may not know, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Visser. Ben, what a fun weekend we had as Iowa State wrestling. Uh, I guess I should say I'm the reporter. You're just the podcaster now. I am. It's weird. Yeah. You know, not to stray away from wrestling for a second, but it's funny because I remember a conversation with you maybe last season. Actually, it was probably two years ago since we weren't in person last year. But you and I talked about podcasting two years ago, and you told me you didn't really like it. It was not something that you cared to do in terms of content. And here you are as my co-host. <laughs> yeah, I think I vaguely remember that conversation. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I said that I would never do a podcast or anything like that. It's just that my preferred way of consuming media is not necessarily through podcasts. I'm not a big podcast listener, but I'm very happy to do this podcast. <laughs> and I'm thrilled that you have me on every week. You know, I'm also very happy you're here. Um, and mostly because I was thinking about this today, I was reflecting. I was like, wow, we're going to finish off the season. I don't know how many episodes we'll have since we'll throw a couple extras in there with Big 12s and NCAAs, but um, how exciting. And I thought about this because of, my photo that I took um, on Friday night, which is relevant. I was sitting Matt's side for the UNI duel, which was super exciting. And once Sam Schuyler was looking like it was in the bag um, with that uh, last second, I should say last second, there was 11 seconds left on the clock when Sam Schuyler got the takedown that sealed the wind to his uh, match. I just started clicking. I just held down and I, I probably have like 80 of the same photo but I was just looking at how much um, attention the photo had gotten. I tweeted about it today and just how much it was interacted with. And I, so I was just kind of overlooking, you know, how do we continue to grow the sport? And I was just thinking like, how exciting that we are doing this and we're helping grow the sport and grow the attention to Iowa state wrestling. I've gotten a lot of messages and I heard it a lot this weekend at our watch party slash benefit for Nicholas Bassett on Saturday of just people saying that they were really enjoying the podcast, that they really enjoyed us. 
So shout out to us. People have told me we have great chemistry on the podcast. So I'm excited that we are doing this. Uh, Ben, what was it like for you watching Iowa State, you and I, um, you got to watch from the comfort of your home. So what was that like? Yeah, well, it was wonderful because I got to stay on my couch, which I can't complain about. But the dual meet itself had a lot of hype leading up to it. And we talked a lot about that hype in last week's podcast, the back and forth between Kevin Dresser and Doug Schwab, um, the UNI coach, Doug Schwab. And we talked a lot about that. We talked about the matchups up and down the lineup. There were toss-ups all over. There were a few wins that were comfortably Iowa State, a few wins that were going to be comfortably UNI things like that. And the dual meet lived up to every expectation I had for it. Um, I think I had Iowa state winning 21 to 13 or something like that. The big change, the big thing that didn't quite go the way I expected was at 125 with, I had Kyson Tarakina beating Brody Teske, but I fully acknowledge that that was going to be a toss up. Brody Teske definitely had the ability to beat Kyson Tarakina and that match in itself was a very good match. I think it was six to three Um, Brody Teske beat Kyson Tarakina. And there are a few incredible scrambles in that match where it looked like either guy could come out on top. Both times, I believe Brody Teske came out on top. And if just one of those goes Kyson's way, then that match, then the match goes Kyson's way. So that in itself was a fantastic match. Um, the Dumi itself was incredible. I think their announced attendance was something like 4,000, but that was, it was incorrect. The McLeod Center hold 7,000 and that looked like every seat was packed and you can speak a little bit better to that um, as a person who was there. And as you mentioned, capturing pictures and reporting on the actual dual meet. Yeah, it was, it definitely felt like there was a lot more people there. And I think what I appreciated about the McLeod and I guess I can make this point now, I was very sad about not being in West gym just because when you get shoved into a tiny gym like that, especially when they have that like upper level in that gym, it just feels different. It's a lot, very intense. It's a very hot environment. Um, But once I was there in the cloud, I was like, no, this is like perfect because it was, it felt like the place was filled to the brim, which it wasn't. I don't think they sold it out, but it sure felt like it. It sounded like it. And what I appreciated was uh, Dresser took his entire team, like all 30 some guys were there. And so I think, I mean, what an awesome experience for the team. And this was very smart for Dresser to have that many people in their corner to cheer on their guys, but they have those, like, I assuming they're donor seats, you know, that line the Mm -hmm. mat. And Iowa State's bench was right there. I'm talking, these guys did not sit for a second. They were standing directly behind these people. And I have photos of it. And it's just so funny to watch as like the emotions go up and down. You had the wrestlers cheering and looking so happy and the you and I people looking so depressed. And then you flip the, squi- flip the switch in some of the matches. So the environment overall was just insane to... It's just, it made me appreciate the size of a smaller arena. Um, This is something I was talking about today with someone. um, Although I love Hilton, I will always love Hilton. Imagine how incredible it would be to have something just a little smaller to where it can get really loud. Like that really changes the game. It does. And you're not the only person that's had that conversation with people. I've had conversations with people as well um, where a volleyball gym, a wrestling gym, a gymnastics gym, 
would be something that could be really impactful at Iowa State. Obviously, not financially. Uh, financially, it would be difficult because you have to build a whole new gym and a whole new arena. And I don't know if that makes that much sense financially, but in terms of crowd, in terms of atmosphere, it could really generate a lot of those types of things that you want to see in a sporting event. So I don't see it happening. I financially, I don't think it makes sense to do it, but it would be really fun if it did happen. Well, like if you were at the duel, of course, for you and I, this was, you know, this is their home. So these were their fans. Um, Iowa state fans did a good job of, you know, once that you and I crowd got silenced, which I can only imagine what that feels like for the team themselves being able to silence an arena like that. But it definitely made, made it a very fun environment. And we can talk about this a little later, but dressers was talking today at media availability, how he's excited because they'll have the same or similar structure tomorrow night at Missouri. Um, I've never personally been there, but the way it's set up, it basically will be a very similar where fans are essentially on top of these guys. So definitely adds to the pressure to um, just to the overall experience. I asked Sam Schuyler about this on Friday night. Just how do you, you know, how does the crowd impact you while you're wrestling? And he straight up said, he just doesn't hear it. Hmm. So I didn't really hear it. Interesting. I can, I think I can see that to an extent, if you're so focused on what you have in front of you, I don't know if you do hear those things. I'm thinking back and I was not a top level athlete by any stretch of the imagination, (laughs) but there are those times where you're so focused on what's in front of you that I don't, you don't, sometimes you don't hear everything around you. And I think that can spread to other parts of life as well. If you're in a competitive situation or if you're really focused on something, even sometimes now, and I'm super focused on something, I don't hear someone calling my name. I, they have to call my name three or four times for me to hear them or understand them. So I think I get that from Sam Schuyler, but it's still surprising because McLeod Center was loud and you could hear that through the TV and it was a a great atmosphere over there. I checked my heart rate after that Kaisen Terakina loss because as you can imagine, that place was nuts. And again, I said this last week, Doug Schwab is such a colorful man. And I will say uh, the Iowa State bench got very colorful. All three, all three coaches were jumping and screaming and yelling and dresser. I have some great photos of dresser just like with his hands up. He was, it was good. It was very good. And I checked my heart rate and it was at 114. Hmm. And I'm just honestly a naturally anxious person, but in those type of environments, I get very overwhelmed and not in a bad way. Like I wasn't like stressed, like I need to leave. I just, it's just so loud, but I guess I'm not the one wrestling. So I guess I can see where Sam's coming from in that retrospect, but I just find it so interesting when he was just like, Nope, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> so, but I guess when you're carrying that on your shoulders, um, I can see how you can block it out, which I can bring up today. So today in media availability, we were talking to coach dresser and he was telling us about, you know, Sam went into this match. It was literally on him. Like you said, we fully anticipated this duel coming down to the heavyweight match. And he said that when prior to the duel, when they were trying to figure out what weight class they were going to start, he went straight to Sam and said, Hey, if I win this coin flip, like, do you want me to end with you? Or would you like me to start with you? And um, Sam 
I guess, told Dresser, like, no, like, put me at the end. I want to close it out. And Dresser compared it to <laughs> when a, a basketball player asked his coach to take the last shot. And it's, you know, exactly the same thing. And Sam isn't, you know, a freshman. So it's not like he's a fresh high schooler coming into this type of environment. But this was the first time probably Sam was wrestling in such a hostile environment and a environment of this capacity. So I think to not only have the confidence to do your job, but have the confidence to do that in this type of environment, I guess, I think shows a lot about his confidence and maturity. And I think because he is a very uh, straightforward, doesn't have much to say, just kind of straight to the point, um, I think says a lot about him and makes me excited for the team to have him back next season. Yeah, absolutely. And even not even next season, but next week or not next week, hilarious. This is the doom. It's happening on Wednesday on Wednesday <laughs> today, when you're probably listening to this, he's going to have another opportunity, probably a lot like that when he wrestles, if they go traditional 125 to heavyweight, he'll have another opportunity. If they do that to close out the dual meet we're, and we will get into this. We're expecting this Missouri match to be another tight one and it might come down to heavyweight again. And he's got another ranked guy in Zach Elam at heavyweight. So I think not only it gives himself a lot of confidence, but it gives Dresser a lot of confidence that, Hey, I have a heavyweight who can close this thing out if need be. So um, I think that's huge for Sam. I think it's huge for Iowa state to have that type of guy at the end of your lineup. Who's like, yeah, give me the pressure. I can handle it and I'll make us all go home happy, which is a great thing to have. I think I also just appreciate the fact that Dresser asked him. I think it's important that like, Obviously dresser is coaching these guys there. They all have very specific relationships, but I think, you know, it obviously shows that he trusts him and he trusts his preparation and what he's going to decide. And I feel like, and this is just an assumption, but I feel like even if Sam had said, no, let me start the duel off. I don't think dresser would have felt some type of way either way, if he was truly giving him that option. But I think because Sam was comfortable saying, nope, let me close it out. And he made this point. He's like, well, I'm used to it. Like, I'm also the heavyweight. Like, that's just traditionally how it goes. But I think when you're given the choice and for him to feel comfortable to do it, I think is really says says a lot about him and his maturity and really his confidence um, in himself. Because on Friday night, when we got him after the duel, uh, I had asked him, um, he was, I think, yeah, I think it was me or maybe it was Cody who asked him just about, you know, what were you physically feeling in that match? I mean, he took that takedown with 11 seconds left. That's very risky. Right. And he just talked about the way he knew he had to go into it being, being very uh, mentally focused about when he made his shots. And he said his entire thing was to just wait for Carter Isley to make a mistake. And to have the patience and the confidence in your patience to let your guy screw it up for himself, I think is huge because what would he have done if Carter didn't, you know? And he said that when he felt him go for that shot with those 11 seconds left and he could, he physically felt him fail at it, he took a shot. So I just, yeah, I was actually very impressed with him to say that that was his whole strategy um, to just wait for him to mess up because he had to be tactical with the way he was wrestling as well to not let Carter feel him out either. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point. Sam Schuyler was the aggressor for most of that match. 
Sam actually took a few committed shots. He didn't score on them, but the big thing is he didn't let Carter counter him the way he, that he countered Carter. Carter Isley, UNI's heavyweight. So the fact that he was able to keep his composure while not getting the takedowns that he would have liked to get when he shot his shots um, is huge. To keep his composure in that type of environment, which we've already talked about, is huge. And then to defend a takedown attempt, the I think it was Carter Isley's only takedown attempt the entire match, to defend that takedown attempt, keep his composure, go around him and secure your own takedown on the counterattack is huge. So I think if if um, Sam Schuyler proved anything this weekend is that he can keep his composure and that's a fantastic, fantastic trait for a wrestler and especially a heavyweight wrestler to have because he's going to be in a lot of close matches like that. He's going to be in a lot of three to ones, two to four, four to twos, whatever it is. He's going to be in a lot of close matches like that. So to be able to keep your composure, not panic, not take a wild shot like Carter Isley did is, I mean, it could take him, I'm not, I don't want to say a long way. I don't want to put all American expectations on him, but it could take him away in the NCAA tournament. I mean, honestly, I feel like because of that confidence and maturity that he has and the way he has been performing this season, I would not be surprised to see him exceed expectations. He could. He's, ex- he's already exceeded my expectations. I expected him to be an okay heavyweight, win the matches he's supposed to, and probably lose quite a few against ranked opponents. He had a stretch there before the Air Force guy who's ranked number five or six, where he won four straight ranked matches. Carter Isley is a two-time NCAA qualifier. He was ranked each of the last two seasons. This was his first match back, I think, this season from injury. So Sam Schuyler's proven that he beats ranked guys, and he beats ranked guys with consistency. It's just that top, top-end guy that he can't quite get over. And that's a lot of guys. That's most guys in wrestling <laughs> that they can't, most guys aren't beating number five guy. And that's okay that Sam can't either. As long as he keeps beating these other ranked opponents that are ranked in the teens and ranked in the twenties, he's going to do okay for himself at the NCAA tournament. Which um, I'll bring this point back. I wanted to bring up um, just about maturity uh, with Kaisen Tarakina uh, with his loss. I, you and I have said this time, I think several times we might've said it last week. Um, Kaisen losing on Fridays, obviously sucks. You don't want to, a loss sucks, but I'm not worried. And I know you've said you're not worried about him moving forward. I think he'll continue to have a good season. I think he'll also go on and have a really great end of the season actually. But today dresser shared something that stood out to me was that Kyson uh, went to him and admitted that he did not prepare as much as he should have that he kind of messed up a few times during the week, you know, when they did that one hour weigh in, he didn't feel the best, which is how you saw him get gassed in that third period. And obviously not a good thing to hear as a coach. I think as someone covering the team, it's one of those situations where it's like of all the weeks you could have fallen off the wagon. This is when you decide to do that. And sure. We can say it's a, I mean, he's younger, you know, he, Rookie He's a true mistake. sophomore. He hasn't redshirted. He's a true sophomore. You know, like rookie mistake, sure. But it's one of those things, again, the, of, of all the weeks you could mess up. But I think to be able to admit it to yourself and admit it to your head coach, and I'm sure Dresser's a very intense man from the way he has talked about being hard on his guys and they don't follow um, having a good regimen outside of the room, um, I think is huge. And the fact that he can admit that makes me feel that 
as we continue and as he starts to prepare for the postseason, I think he's not going to do that again. Yeah, the first step in solving a problem is knowing what the problem is. And it sounds like Kyson knows exactly what the problem is. And to go to your point about Kyson, and I'm comfortable with where he is, he's lost, I think, twice this season. In both of those matches, he has not looked overmatched at all. He's beaten number five guys. He's beaten number six guys, guys that are ranked highly. And against those guys, he obviously won. But he there wasn't a moment in those matches where he didn't look like he was overmatched. In every single match, he just looked like he's belong, and that's impressive for a true sophomore. Against Brody Teske, a guy who has proven to be able to beat top-ranked guys, he didn't look overmatched. Yes, he got tired at the end, but if it's just a weight thing, if it's just him not quite doing the right things during the week, that's, I don't want to say easily fixable, but it's pretty easily fixable. <laughs> you just have to have a little bit more discipline. Um, I say that as a person who can eat food freely and whenever and however I want, but um, those, are, those are things where it's discipline. So his, his wrestling ability on the mat, I don't think is in question. He can obviously hang with the top, top end guys. It's just making sure and in a tournament setting, it's going to be really important to make sure that your nutrition and your discipline during the week is on point. Yeah, it'll definitely, uh, he'll have a good matchup tomorrow or, Sorry, we keep saying tomorrow because it's Tuesday night. We're recording on Tuesday night. Uh, tonight, technically, as you're listening, Wednesday night, <laughs> you'll have uh, another good opponent uh, to kind of finish out the season strong um, as well, which we can get into as we finish up on this, you and I. Um, I mean, overall, it was such a good duel. I think this is the type of duel that makes that is good for wrestling. Great for it, wrestling. I agree. The, I mean, Doug Schwab went into the presser after, and he honestly, I would love to cover you and I wrestling. I would, if I had, if I was in a position to do that, I would fully do it. And he even said about Kaisen, um, in the presser, he said he wants to know who's doing the rankings because Kaisen is definitely a top 10 guy. And, you know, uh, an opposing coach to go into his presser and say that after his guy won, like that's like talk about respect and acknowledgement of the other team's effort after a tough loss. Cause that loss hurt. I, he said he hates having other teams get to have a party in their arena. And that's exactly what Iowa state got to do. It was very quiet in McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> so um, good for the sport. It was good for Iowa state. Uh, Dresser continued to poke fun at him. I think it was last or Monday night in the coach's corner. I think is when he said it, that he can't wait to host them next season and beat them again. So, <laughs> um, I, I definitely had a very good time. I'm very glad that the duel ended up towards the end of the season. Dresser today said that when he goes into building the schedule, he likes it to end up the way that it did. And I think being able to send your guys to wrestle at McLeod, sending your guys to end the season at Missouri absolutely prepares you to go into places like big 12s in Tulsa and like the NCAAs where it's just going to be a hostile place in general. Cause you have so many opposing teams just wanting you to get demolished. <laughs> and you do too. That's, that's a very good point. Um, and you mentioned just the effort and, the ability that you and I wrestled with. And I want to 
shout out to you and I wrestlers specifically Derek Holschlag at 157 and then um, John Gunderson, a true freshman at 197. Both of them lost, but they both wrestled how I want guys to wrestle. Um, at 157, David Carr beat Derek Holschlag 11 to 1. I expected David to get a major decision. I expected David Carr to get a tech fall. And Derek Holschlag kept it to a decision 11 to 4. And the thing I was most impressed with with Derek Holschlag is he didn't just hang on to David Carr and try to slow him down. Derek Holschlag actually took committed shots and tried to get to David's legs. And a couple times, one for sure, he did get to David's legs. For the first time, I think all year, David Carr was a little bit threatened. Not totally. I think David, I know for a fact, David fended off the takedown attempt because he didn't give up a takedown. And I think David actually countered and he got his own takedown. But the fact that Derek Holschlag got to his legs is a feat unto itself. And the fact after that, he kept shooting shots. So big shout out to Derek Holschlag. And he was actually in position to get beat by a major decision, but he got an escape with, I think, four or five seconds left in that match to make sure it was a decision. And that kept this Dumi closer than I probably expected it to. So big shout out to Derek Holschlag for wrestling really, really well against the number one guy in the country. And then John Gunderson, he lost 21 to eight. He's a true freshman. And he was overmatched against a guy who is a takedown machine in Younger Bastida. But again, that same thing in that first period, John Gunderson got after Younger Bastida. He took committed shots. He had Younger Bastida in some trouble. Again, Younger Bastida didn't give up a takedown against John Gunderson. But John got close to taking Younger Bastida down. And I think it got it, it didn't get too Younger quite. But you could tell, I think I saw once where Younger looked back at the bench like, do I keep going? And they're like, yes, keep going. And he did. And he eventually got on his takedowns. He got 10 takedowns in that match. So he got it going. But there is a time there in that first period where John Gunderson, a true freshman, got after younger Bastida, who's proven himself to be just a takedown machine. So big shout out to those guys. I love the way Doug Schwab's guys wrestle. They wrestle fearless. They don't wrestle not to lose. They Even if they're overmatched, they're going after it. And they're trying to get their own takedowns, which I went on a rant a couple of weeks ago where that doesn't always happen <laughs> when you're wrestling a guy like Wyatt Sheets or Jared Frannick. So big shout out to Derek Holschlag and John Gunderson for me. I know. Yeah. I completely reiterate. I mirror that as well. I, for a second <laughs> had a moment of panic and I watching that match at 157. I had a split second where I was like, Oh my gosh, is he about to get taken down? Like, is this really about to happen? I had no doubt that David was going to win the match. But for a second, I was like, the worst possible thing that can happen right now is for him to get taken down. And his dad, Nate Carr, was standing right behind us, like where us photographers were. And I could hear him. And I was like, this is this is looking real dicey. But, you know, David you can't does say David that, things. not say what Nate was telling him. What was Nate telling him? Give us, paint us the picture. Honestly, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Sam Skyler to be honest. And in some <laughs> moments, I do kind of like black out. He basically, honestly, it's funny because in the match prior, I and I know this because I turned around to take photos of Nate. Nate was literally screaming his head off. Like <laughs> I have great photos of him screaming, and then a great photo of him with his hands up in the air celebrating uh, Jarrett's win, and um. But then when David's wrestling, his voice actually, he, his voice lowers. 
Mm. And I think it's probably a huge sentiment to the relationship they have of father, son, coach, and athlete. But um, he, I truly can't remember what he was saying because yeah, truly I'm pulling Sam Skyler. I kind of blacked <laughs> out a little bit, but I, I very much can remember the way his voice toned down. And I think it's just because he trusts David. And I think David's a guy that from the coach's standpoint, they don't really tend to need to lose their minds about something except for when David ended up upside down on his shoulders and they blew the whistle and had to reset. But yeah, I wish I could remember. I'll try to be better about it at big 12. Um, but no, and same thing at 197. I did re- that. I noticed it a lot immediately that Younger did look for a second a little concerned. And for a second, even I had a moment where I was like, oh God, is you and I really about to come in real hot in this match? But Younger did his thing. He's the only one to have scored bonus points in the entire duel. And that so, decided the duel meet, essentially. I mean, it was what what was the final score um 16 to 15 and mm-hmm. if younger bastida doesn't get bonus points in that match it's 15 to 15 goes to criteria now from what i understand iowa state would have won on criteria they had the tiebreaker if you will and tiebreaker is a little bit too complicated to explain right now so i'm not going to apologies to new and <laughs> casual wrestling fans um we can we can spend an, we can spend an episode going over ncaa rules and complicated things that wrestling has, but right now is not that time. So Iowa State won 16 to 15 in large part, thanks to younger Bastida's major decision that he got. Um, and in large part, thanks to Sam Schuyler and his clutch wrestling there at the end. So um, I think the only other major point I wanted to talk about was Ian Parker at 141. He had um, Cal Happel, who is an Iowa product over in Eastern Iowa. Back when I covered the Gazette, I talked to, with the Happels. They have a whole bunch of them. Um, <laughs> most of them go to Iowa, but Cal Happel ended up at UNI. So Iowa State lost the first two matches of this dual meet. They were down six to zero. And Ian Parker, Iowa State really needed Ian Parker to pull through. He was down in the match. I think, what was it, five to one or four to one early in that match? And uh, Ian took a shot. He locked up a cradle. And for a couple seconds there, I thought he was going to pin Cal Happel, ended up getting a four count. Ian ends up winning five, nine to five relatively comfortably. But if Ian didn't lock up that cradle and if Ian doesn't get that win, things could have spiraled for Iowa state. And I, Iowa state easily could have lost against you and I. So Ian, Ian Parker really came through and we've talked a lot just privately about how, how Ian Parker wrestles and how he goes about his day-to-day life and how disciplined he is and how much of an example he is for Iowa state wrestling and for Iowa state wrestlers that for him to come through like that, I think just goes to show um, when you do the right things, good things happen. Well, and I'm excited. I'm excited. And also, you know, I feel I tend to be someone who I grow to get attached to athletes and their stories and what they mean to programs and someone like Ian Parker. I know Ian was here before I even started covering the team, Um, but Ian through and through since day one has been someone that dresser has always um, said is the golden standard. He is the ideal athlete for him. He is who, when it comes to the roster, that's who you want to look at and be like. And um, Doug Schwab said the same thing post-duel. He said, if I could have a lineup of 10 Ian Parkers, 
Like what more could you need? Because Ian is just that good of a wrestler. And I think him coming back is a big sentiment to that. When you look at Jared Dagan, I think, I feel like because he spent so much time injured and we can definitely talk about that too, but that made sense to me when it was announced, it would have made sense to me if he quit because of injuries and it makes sense to come back because of injuries. And Ian, Ian just came back because he loves the sport and he wants mm-hmm. that chance to get another big 12 title, go farther at NCAAs. And I I'm excited to be able to sit down with him in the next few weeks and be able to tell, you know, the final story that I'll tell about Ian Parker. But I think he is definitely someone that will be missed from the roster. And it was very exciting to see him when um, I was looking at the score sheet and he was never actually down. He, Oh, yeah, I lied. Uh, he was only I down. Oh, Nope. I lied to you. He was down five to two, like you said. And it was that four point near fall that he got with 43 seconds left. And then uh, Apple got called for stalling and that's how it, ended up with nine to five, but even just to see Ian get a near fall, that it was exciting. That often. He locked up that cradle. <laughs> it was pretty tight. I, like I said, I thought for a couple seconds there, he was going to stick him, but he didn't, couldn't quite get his shoulder blades down, but still, yeah. Ian Parker getting near fall. That doesn't happen all that often. I think I have like 30 photos <laughs> of, him, <laughs> of him holding him there. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, is there a pin coming? But no, absolutely exciting to see Ian uh, kind of swing Seeing them uh, energy for Iowa State a little bit because I, uh, you and I was losing their mind in the corner after those first two wins. So, and they had a right to though that first match, like I said, Kyson Terakina, Brody Teske on paper toss up. I thought maybe leaned Kyson and sounds like Doug Schwab. If if he thinks he's a top ten wrestler, obviously he's got the respect of Doug Schwab too. So that's one I kind of expected Iowa State to win. 133, yeah, Ramazan losing to Bastiglia is, that is what it is. But I expected 3-3 probably going into the Ian Parker match, but being down 6-0, man, that Ian Parker needed to step up and he did. Which, um, yeah, just like, like we said, this duel went exactly as we had hoped like how we thought it would. And I just think you and I deserves more respect as a program as a whole. They were ranked like, like 19 coming into that match, weren't they as a team? They were ranked 18th, which 18. I do not understand no, how they're ranked. They beat so Oklahoma low. state. They beat Oklahoma state just like Iowa state did. So that's, that was a, uh, I complain a lot about rankings, but that that's one I can complain <laughs> about for a while. You and I should not be ranked that low. They should be, I'm not saying they should be a top five team, but they should be close to the top 10 range for sure. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like you said, they're not a team that is afraid of any situation. And Doug Schwab threw some shade in Doug Schwab (laughs) fashion. And he said he wants to wrestle all the teams in the state of Iowa and all the teams in the state of Iowa should be wrestling each other. So I don't disagree with Doug Schwab. (laughs) I'd be all for it. That'd be fun. That would I be think I would, fun. I think I would go to that duel. <laughs> oh, for sure. If it was, yeah. I mean, it's either an Iowa city or Cedar Falls. So yeah, I'd, it would be in great environments at both places. Fantastic environments. So no, just as a, even a casual wrestling fan, that'd be a phenomenal dual meet to attend. Just like, I hope Iowa eventually like 
cracks and folds and uh, has this duel because I can only imagine the chip on you and I's shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if this is how heated and worked out they are for a team where there's full respect. I mean, when, when the team started funneling into the, um, onto the floor dresser and Schwab had like a minute, five minute conversation off to the side on their own laughing. God knows what they were talking about. Um, Probably emojis. A, <laughs> yeah but just like imagine a duel coming into it where there is just a lot of anger <laughs> a lot of animosity yeah so and yeah. i to, to give a little bit of credit to iowa and i don't know if credit's not the it's not the right word but a little bit of understanding they have a big 10 schedule that they need to get a lot of matches in within the big 10 so in that respect i get it but also there's plenty of other open dates where you can get a UNI on the schedule. So the big 10 excuse I get to an extent, but mm, boy, it'd be fun to see. Yep. I hope it's, I hope if, if it happens that it is on its own separate weekend, so we can attend. That'd be great. Um, But we're closing out the big 12 season. Iowa state has a chance to win the conference outright tomorrow which is nuts because we're currently in mode where we continue to reflect back to when dresser took over the program, which is, I think a sentiment how well the team's performing because it's his fourth year. You know, it's not like an anniversary date the way I see like five years. And so, yeah, there's overall, I have a good feeling about it. I think Iowa state can win pretty I think it could go well. I don't want to say they're going to go in and demolish Missouri. If we look back to last year, they lost to Missouri 31 to seven, but I think they could walk away like comfortably. Yeah. And for those that maybe don't follow wrestling or college wrestling as closely, Missouri, which is in the sec is a big 12 wrestling team that happened just this last year. Obviously Missouri left the big 12, however many years ago, decade or whatever it's been now. Um, they spent, um, all that time in the E W I C A, I think is the acronym, the Eastern rest. No, it's E I W C A, something like that. The Eastern <laughs> intercollegiate wrestling conference association. It's some acronym full of words that really don't make any sense. Anyway, they were in that <laughs> conference, whatever it is. And they were just demolishing everybody because it's the E W I C A or whatever it is. So they applied, they asked the big 12, like, Hey, can we come back for wrestling? And the Big 12 allowed it. So Missouri is a Big 12 school for only the sport of wrestling. So if you're confused about why is Missouri a Big 12 school, um, well, you're joined the club. We're all a little bit confused, but they are. So um, first year of it, and it'll be interesting right now. I think they're second in the Big 12 in terms of overall record. Iowa State is first. Iowa State is unblemished in the Big 12. They have not lost. So kind of whoever wins this dual meet, gets to lay claim to the throne of the big 12 of, Hey, we're the best. And it would hurt a little bit to see a team that left the big 12 and then just got reinstated win the big 12. So I think, I don't think the wrestlers have that motivation, but me as a fan of sports and as a fan of the big 12 in general, kind of, it would sting a little bit for me to see Missouri win the big 12 when they're not a big 12 school and when they left the big 12. So there's, there's that little rant for me, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always try and tell myself like 
don't sound like a total homer. And I don't fully like feel like that. There's definitely things about the team and certain weights sometimes that I have a very unbiased way of looking at it. And I don't always just have all these great thoughts, but no, I completely agree. You're watching Iowa state go undefeated in the big 12 and then Missouri is just going to come in and wreck that. Um, but I feel good about tomorrow night or tonight. Sorry. Tonight. <laughs> we'll get there. We, we will get there. We <laughs> promise by the end of this podcast, we will be saying tonight when referring to Missouri, but I just, you know, you and I went through the lineup and I just, I don't know. I feel confident for Iowa state. Um, we, when looking at it, we have a, another exciting match at 197. Younger Bastida just is the, just keeps on giving, keeps getting these great matches to entertain us. Um, I think people who aren't even diehard fans are out here tweeting about how exciting Younger Bastida is. So excited to see him close out with a tougher uh, dual match. And same for 125, which we mentioned earlier, and same for Sam. So it should be yeah. a good one just in their home territory. Yeah. It's at Missouri. Um, and like you mentioned, Missouri obviously beat Iowa state handily last year. Um, Missouri's having some lineup troubles, especially toward the top end of their lineup. And by top end, I mean the lighter weights, the, their 133 is a little bit of a revolving door. 141, they had Alan Hart, but he hasn't wrestled in weeks now. So I don't know if he's injured or what's happening with him. So They've had different guys wrestle at 141. At 149, they're having All-American Brock Mahler redshirt, which surprised me when I found that out. So they're having Brock Mahler, their All-American redshirt at 149. So they have Josh Edmond there. Uh, and then their their heavyweights, their upperweights are good. I don't want to discount their heavyweights. They have solid have upperweights. But that lower weight, I think, is going to provide some opportunity for Iowa State to take advantage. Um, at 125, like you mentioned, Noah Certain for Missouri is ranked number 18. Kyson Terakina, I think, is ranked 17 or 19. They're right next to each other in the rankings. And that's one where, again, I'm going to expect Kyson Terakina to win that match. Um, like I expected him to beat Brody Teske last week. I think Brody Teske is better than Noah Certain, so I feel more confident that Kyson's going to beat him. Um, but that's a match I expect Kyson to win. I expect Ramazan, who did not have a good match last week against you and I, he got dominated. He didn't give up bonus points, but that was not a close match. I expect Ramazan to bounce back, and whoever wrestles for Missouri at 133, I expect Ramazan to win. Ian Parker, 141, he should win. If Alan Hart's not wrestling, Ian Parker should win, maybe get bonus points. Um, at 157, you got David Carr wrestling Jarrett. Now, I think it looks like Jock, but I've heard it pronounced Jockus or something like that. <laughs> uh, but it looks like Jock to me. So um, last year, David Carr beat him. I think it was 15 to one or something like that. So that should be a match. David Carr, get a major decision, get a tech fall. Uh, 165, that's uh, that's Missouri's best guy. Keegan O'Toole, number two in the country. Uh, this, I think, could help determine the match for Missouri or help determine it for Iowa State. If... Isaac Judge for Iowa State at 165 stays off his back and not get pinned or give up a lot of bonus points. I feel confident in Iowa State beating Missouri. If Isaac Judge gets pinned, I think it could be tough for Iowa State because that's going to be six points. That's going to be three points you don't expect Iowa. That's going to be three points you don't expect Missouri to get. And Keegan O'Toole last week was named Big 12 Wrestler of the Week because he pinned number six, Anthony Valencia from Arizona State. So Keegan O'Toole has that ability to pin guys. 
He has that ability to pin top end guys. Isaac Judge, not quite a top end guy. So if he can stay off his back, I like Iowa State's chances. If he gets pinned, though, I think Iowa State's going to have to squeak out a few wins here and there that are probably toss-up matches, um, especially 125. I, if, if Isaac Judge gets pinned, you have to hope that Kyson Terakina has already won. If Kyson drops that match and Isaac Judge gets pinned, it's going to. I think it could be tough for Iowa State. Well, and I think um, at 157, David Carr's going in to try and get that 50th win. That too, like, yeah. And he told us at one point this season that his goal was to try and get pins every time. If this is a match where he's definitely the more dominant of the two, there's not going to be, you know, that pushback that he saw last week. I almost want to believe that David is going to be feeling himself. He's going to be on a high. He's going to be just have like an extra pep in his step, you know, which is crazy to think when it's David Carr. But I almost want to hope that David goes in and pins the guy. Yeah, he could. He, and maybe we should say he should. Um, he beat him by a major decision handily, obviously 14, 15 to one, whatever it was. He didn't give up a takedown. David Carr doesn't give up takedowns, but um, <laughs> to be dominant like that as kind of a, technically he was a sophomore last year, but he's also a sophomore this year. But to be that dominant last year, to make the gains that David Carr has made this year. Yeah. You could see a pin at 157 for Iowa state. I think, I think, Iowa state probably wins six out of the four matches in this dual meet. Um, but if one gets dropped somewhere along the line, bonus points like they did last week are going to determine how this dual meet turns out. And at 184, um, Marcus Coleman, who we didn't talk about against you and I, Marcus lost to Parker Keckheisen, the number four guy in the country. And Keckheisen, he proved that he was, he proved that he was going to be in a conversation for a national championship against Marcus Coleman because Marcus Coleman has proven himself to be an all American caliber wrestler. So the, um, this is going to be a bounce pack opportunity for Marcus Coleman against the number 24 ranked guy um, to really get himself right after not the best performance against Parker Kekheisen. So that should be good. And then you mentioned younger Bastida. He's got number six, Rocky Elam and last year, and we both, we both talked about this before the, we started recording, but um, in last year's dual meet, Younger Bastida lost to Rocky Elam five to four. And I maintain the belief the only reason Younger lost that match was because Coach Dresser wanted to teach Younger a lesson. And he said, You have to pick down. Younger picked down and he was unable to get out from bottom. And that's the reason that Rocky Elam won five to four. If Younger would have picked neutral, I think Younger probably gets a takedown. I think he probably wins six to five or whatever it is. Um, but coach wanted to show younger how difficult it is to get out from bottom against these highly ranked guys, because last year, younger had just gotten to America. He had just been learning free for our folk style wrestling. He'd just been learning folk style wrestling. And I don't think he quite understood what it took to get out from bottom against high ranked guys. And coach dresser wanted him to teach that. He wanted to teach him that lesson in a competitive match in a match that he could have won. And I think that's been a learning point for younger is we've seen him get better at the bottom position he's been able to get out from guys and i think that's probably been a catalyst is okay he understood what it takes and he went to work at it and i'm really excited to see what younger can do against rocky elam now that a he's better from bottom and b he's obviously more confident on his feet now oh yeah and i mean every week he's shown 
uh, everyone that he is comfortable doing it, that he likes the challenge of being on bottom. Now I can't remember which duel it was. The dresser was like, he picked down and I, if he didn't get out, I was going to kick his butt. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> so, um, if there are situations where coach is thinking, yeah, maybe you should not pick down, but he does it anyways. And he shows that he can get out. I think that's huge. And I don't see how younger doesn't come into this line and is his dominant self, um, which I'll bring up that note that we were talking about earlier. Um, I was looking over some information and of Iowa State's 326 takedowns this season, Younger is uh, leading the team with 73 takedowns now. In his last four matches, he has scored 83 points total. That's unbelievable. He is just, he's a beast. He is just incredible. <laughs> and it's not a matter of, like, I don't feel we're in a place where we're talking about, ooh, he's going to go in a tough opponent. Who knows how he's going to perform? I fully believe he's going in against anyone and truly believes he will beat them. 100%. And to go back to your your numbers there, his 73 takedowns uh, out of the team's 326 takedowns, Younger Bastida has 22% of Iowa State's takedowns this season. That's an absurd number for one person to have. That's what you expect two wrestlers to have. You'd expect two wrestlers to have 22%. He has one, he's one wrestler and he has 22% of all of Iowa State's takedowns. That's, that's a big, big number. And it just goes to show how dominant he is on his feet. Like for reference, the two athletes that follow him is David Carr and Sam Schuyler and Carr and Schuyler are a combined 75. <laughs> So yeah, no, he is, he's killing it. And I truly think tomorrow will be just as fun as in, or sorry. Oh God, tonight, tonight, <laughs> he's, he's going to be as good as he has been this whole season. It's yeah. I don't think I'll ever get tired of talking about his performances and how well he has continued to perform throughout this season, but no, tomorrow's Tonight, gosh, this is difficult. Everyone's going to hate us by the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, uh, Missouri duel right. will be a good one. <laughs> yeah, and then at heavyweight, um, it's like you mentioned, Sam Schuyler, who having a heavyweight be third on the team in takedowns is huge because a lot of times you get heavyweights that just sit there and stare at each other. Sam <laughs> Schuyler being third at, in the on the team in takedowns, it shows that he's actually getting after guys and um, that's impressive. And he's got Rocky Elam's older brother, Zach Elam, at heavyweight, who is ranked number 19. Sam Schuyler is also ranked in that area. So this should be another match where Sam Schuyler just proves once again that, hey, I deserve to be in this top 15 conversation where I can beat these ranked opponents. And I deserve some respect, both in Big 12 seedings and when NCAA seedings roll around. He deserves to be not ranked in the twenties. He should be in the teens. He should be maybe close to top 10. We'll see how he performs down the stretch here again in the big 12s and such, but um, no, Sam Scott has got another opportunity to prove that he belongs in this conversation. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Honestly, like I said, two, three weeks ago, I always find myself finding my favorites in 125 and heavyweight. And I really appreciate the type of heavyweight that, 
Sam Skyler is. And I appreciate his personality. I, although as a reporter, he's probably the worst because he says <laughs> two, three words. So it's kind of hard to go into these and write a story, but it just reminds me of uh, good old um, Chase Straw, who I wrote an entire feature that I think even C-Dub said was probably his favorite thing I wrote that season um, with 12 minutes worth of an interview. Which because, is not a lot for a feature. For those of you who no. aren't journalists and don't do it often, 12 minute interviews for a feature story is not that long. I've had interviews back in the day that were more than an hour long for features. So 12 minutes is not a lot. No. And, and what I appreciate it is that he's not like, it's not like Sam's getting up there and being like, Oh, I don't want to talk to you guys. I just think he genuinely just has very straightforward thoughts. Like when, you know, we asked him about that environment, he's just like, I don't know. I don't really hear it. Or like <laughs> when he's, when he's asked about his preparation and he's just like, yeah, I have no problems. I don't have to cut weight. So, which I think him moving up just shows how much more, comfortable and how much more room he has to just enjoy it. Dresser always talks about how these guys are performers. They need to compete like they're performers and put out a good product. And I think when you're able to wrestle freely the way that Sam is, where he doesn't have to cut weight, which clearly was something he disliked so much that it was just not fun for him. I don't think anyone necessarily enjoys cutting weight, but to for it to be to the degree where you want to move up a weight class, I think just shows that he's really enjoying himself and stay at your same level or even improve your level. He's moved up to weight class and you see some guys who move up a weight class and it doesn't work out for him. Sam Skyler's moved up a weight class where there isn't really an upper limit. There is, but there isn't. And he's still performing as an undersized heavyweight better than he did as a 197 pounder. So I think that just goes to show how important it is to feel confident in yourself and to be satisfied with where you are as an athlete. And I think we're seeing that a little bit up and down the lineup for Iowa state with Kyson Terakina last week, he wasn't quite feeling himself and he lost a match. He probably, he had the opportunity to win is how I should say that he had an opportunity to win, but he wasn't quite feeling himself. Younger Bastida. He's a performer. Like you mentioned, he goes out there and he puts on a show. You can tell he's feeling himself and he's, there's no reason for him to want to move up a weight because he's doing incredibly at 197 pounds. So same thing with David Carr at 157. There was talks I know earlier this off season or earlier. Yeah. In the off season, last off season where, okay, is David Carr going to go to 165? Is he going to go to one? Is he going to stay at 157? He elected to stay at 157 and that's proving to be a really good decision for him. He had the opportunity to go up to 165 but he stayed at 157 and he's making the most out of it. So if you have the discipline and if you have that mentality to be a showman and to do the things that you know you're capable of doing at your weight, I think it goes, it can work both ways. It can work for a guy like Sam Scott to bump up. It can work for a guy like David Carr to stay at 157. And there's, it's all about what the athlete is comfortable with. And both those guys are comfortable with where they're at and they're both performing like it too. Well, and I think, you could even use Ian Parker as an example yeah. of when it doesn't work. Ian Parker moved up to 149. Give or take, you know, he ended up getting sick and like actually sick. And then he, you know, had issues with the cutting with the not the cutting weight, the gaining weight, I should say. But um 
he obviously made the decision to drop back down because he wasn't fitting right in that weight class. And uh, I think if I remember correctly, coach talked about it being that who Ian Parker is as an athlete and how he wrestles, it works at 141. I can't remember the exact quote, but when you want to look at, at a time it didn't work, I think Ian Parker is a good example because he is a strong and dominant 141 pounder, but at 149, we watched him struggle. And I think it was in the Iowa duel, mm-hmm. right? Yep, against Max Marin. Yep. Yeah, he did not look like Ian Parker in that match. No, he so. didn't. Yeah, and that's that's a good point you bring up. Ian Parker's strength is his strength. He's going to grind people down to a pulp in some matches. And at 149, guys are as strong as him. At 141, he's one of the stronger guys there at that weight. So, um, yeah, I'm happy that he made that decision. And I think it opens it up for Jared Dagan, who has taken advantage and has wrestled well, especially of late. And, um, yeah, no, that's worked out for everyone. Um, It's interesting that Ian tried it, and I'm glad he came to the realization that it wasn't working as well as he had hoped. And, um, Iowa state as a team is it's for the better. Yeah, I completely agree. I remember, uh, Cody Godwin from the Des Moines register. And I had a really long conversation about this. I think it was after the Iowa duel and I was definitely more stressed about it than I should be as someone just covering the team. But I think just as someone who's been around the program for so long, it was just one of those things where it didn't make all the sense. And after watching Ian lose, I was like, what is going on? (laughs) But thankfully we don't have to worry about that anymore. And we get to cover the team with Ian Parker and Jarrett Dagan in their respective ways. Yes. Um, But no, yeah, definitely. We're getting closer to the end, but it's still such an exciting time because Iowa state is on a roll. Hopefully we'll see them win the big 12 outright tomorrow or tonight. (laughs) Um, we almost got there. We were close. <laughs> In know, fairness, I started out by saying later this week. So I, I expected this thing to be on the weekend. So we're getting closer. We are starting to say tomorrow night, but we didn't quite get to the whole tonight thing. So apologies for that, but we did get closer as the, as this podcast went on. Well, it's happening midweek because the tournament starts this weekend. The state high school, high school tournament. tournament. Yeah. Yeah. The best tournament in the country, in my opinion. So can't get in the way of that. You, you can't. It's it's huge, huge deal. As a person, so I don't know how many people know this. I'm originally from South Dakota, where wrestling is an okay sport. It, it gets some attention and some traction, but it's not anywhere like Iowa. So when I went to the Cedar Rapids Gazette, got my job there, and had to cover my first Iowa high school state wrestling tournament, I was blown away (laughs) wells fargo arena fifteen thousand person arena whatever it is packed to the gills every single um day every single session and it's wild how i was like i knew wrestling was big in iowa i was fully aware of that but to see how big it is and to see how um impactful it can be to the state was really really eye-opening and while state wrestling was a bear to cover for me it was i never lost the appreciation for what the fans and what wrestling fans and i would do every year at the state wrestling tournament yeah it's gonna be it's always a special year or special year it's always a special tournament 
there's always tears for celebrations, mm. for sadness. Some of the best stories I think come out of this weekend. And um, I'm excited to see all the stories that come out of it from Cody and does KJ go to KJ? That? Yep. KJ will okay. be there. I think even Rob Gray, who took over my job at the Gazette, Rob Gray will be there. I think he's foregoing a Iowa state doubleheader, Iowa state men and women basketball play on one of the days. And from what I understand, Rob is going to have to miss both those to cover the Iowa high school state wrestling tournament. So um, yeah, no, the Gazette goes all in um, for the Eastern half of Iowa and yeah, it's a lot to cover. There's a lot of teams over there. There's a lot of good teams over in the Eastern half of Iowa, but um, KJ and Rob, I know will do a good job. So it'll be, and then you got the Cedar Falls guy. Yeah. You get all the local papers too, which is great. You get all the community papers when they have some guy from OAB, CIG or whatever, and they get that local paper there. And that one guy or one girl is there to cover just that one athlete essentially. And those stories are fantastic to read. Um, yeah, no, it's just a good, it's an awesome tournament. You know, I've always wanted to go to the tournament and photograph it. And I can, I know I can. It's just one of those things where I don't necessarily have a purpose for it. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, I can go follow the Iowa state, uh, in-state recruits, but, um, I don't really have a reason to. So if anyone ever wants a photographer with them, <laughs> just hit me up. I will do it. But no, exciting time as always to be a wrestling fan. Any final thoughts before we close this out so people stop hearing us mess up our days? <laughs> well, yeah, tonight's duel. Tonight's duel against Missouri <laughs> and Iowa State will be another really, really good one. Um, I think Iowa State should win, but it's another one of those where there's just enough toss-ups and there's just enough matches where bonus points could determine it, that it could go either way. But um on paper, and like I said last week, matches aren't wrestled on paper. On paper, I think Iowa State should win, but this is a this is the kind of duel mate you want to end a season on because, like Jackie mentioned earlier, it's going to prepare these guys for what the Big 12 tournament is going to be like and what for the NCAA tournament is going to be like. So great duel, great duel to end on. It's going to determine who wins the Big 12 regular season. So you can't ask for much more than that. The stakes are there. Wow. I don't know what I'm what's in my Sprite that I've been drinking, but I just think Iowa State's going to win. All right. There we go. We'll see. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us tonight. Talk about you and I in Missouri. We're very appreciative of everyone who reaches out and gives us feedback. Um, we're super excited to continue to talk wrestling again. Thank you to fairway for taking a, you know, a leap of faith on us as we embark on this new podcast. Um, and yeah, just, we look forward to talking to you guys next week and yeah, follow us on Twitter. <laughs>